the Lord be with you and also with you. Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. God's mercy endures. We gather to receive the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control, and to worship in the spirit of Charles Wesley's poem, to unite the pair so long disjoined, knowledge and vital piety, learning and holiness combined, truth and love for all to see. Beloved, the liturgy, music, and homily this day are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful material support, your written, emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us in worship. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
we pray. Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who hast brought us thus far on the way, thou who hast by thy might led us into the light, keep us forever in the path, we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee, lest our hearts Drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. Shadowed beneath thy hand, may we forever stand, true to our God, true to our native land. Beloved, upon this Lord's Day, as is our custom, we pause in silence, individually to lift our prayers of confession, as for us the choir guides and sings the Kyrie eleison. Lord, have mercy.
The gospel is the gospel of love. The gospel is the gospel of grace. The gospel is the gospel of freedom. The gospel is the gospel of forgiveness and pardon and peace. In that peace, may we receive good news. If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the second book of Kings, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other, until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, You have asked a hard thing, yet... If you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A lesson from St. Paul's Epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, 
But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 19 responsively with the antiphon. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and the words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the ends of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer.
Now please rise as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri, the reading of the gospel, and the singing of a hymn. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John, chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. Glory to you, O Lord. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their table. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ.
Please be seated. In or near the year 850 BC, Elijah, the prophet, stood against the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. He alone stood against 450. The enemy prophets called on their god Baal to bring fire. Baal did not. But Yahweh did at Elijah's imprecation. But Elijah taunted them. Cry aloud, for Baal is a god. Either he is musing, or he is inside, or he is on a journey, or he is asleep. He needs to wake up. Maybe he does not hear very well. Try again. Elijah also announced the end of a great drought on that very day, on the way to the River Jordan. In the year 820 BC, Elijah went up a high mountain not unlike that on which Jesus stood some weeks ago in our presence in the Gospel of Mark. And there Elijah listened for God. And there Elijah heard God. Not in fire or smoke or whirlwind or techno-wizardry or techno-frenzy, for God was not there. But in a still, small voice, in silence, the silence before real hearing and speaking in conscience, in mind, in will. The Lord passed by and a great wind rent the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a still small voice on the way to the river Jordan. In the year 800 BC, Elijah, the troubler of Israel, saw King Ahab through his wife Jezebel take the garden of a poor man, Naboth, and kill Naboth in the process. Said Ahab to Naboth, I will give you a better vineyard for it. But Naboth did not want another, he wanted his own. And Ahab sulked, vexed and sullen, and lay down on his bed and turned his face and would eat no food but Naboth held on to his own vineyard. But Jezebel said, Ahab, do you govern Israel? Arise and eat bread and let your heart be cheerful. I will get you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. But Naboth resisted her too. So they took him outside the city and they stoned him to death. And Jezebel said to Ahab, go and take Naboth's vineyard for he is dead. But Elijah, the troubler of Israel, confronted the king and said, Have you killed and taken? Then I tell you, in the place where dogs licked up the blood of Naboth shall dogs lick your own blood. Elijah, the troubler of Israel. It's one thing to desire another's property and another to take it by force. Elijah held a mirror before the country that wanted such a king and the influence of such a queen on the way to the river Jordan. In the year 30 AD, Elijah's spirit awakened Peter who went up a high mountain with Jesus to see him changed. Elijah and others brought reason and morality to the religion of Moses and others. And our season of Lent is meant to remind us of the priority of worship. Find a way to get to worship. Worship brings the insight of personal need lifted in prayer. 
Worship brings the insight of another's hurt, lifted in communal singing, four-part harmonic hymns. Worship brings the insight of clarity, a word fitly spoken, lifted in a sermon. Worship brings the insight of choosing, the choice of faith, not thrill, but will, lifted in the invitations to devotion, discipline, and dedication. Worship brings the insight of loyalty, of heart, lifted every Sunday in the offering of gifts and tithes. Elijah brought hope, prophetic hope, into the tradition and minds of his people on the way from the River Jordan. In the year 1735, the spirit of Elijah rested on the New England community of Northampton and the, and the ministry of a Puritan divine, Jonathan Edwards, our Calvinist interlocutor here this Lent. Edwards saw the divine light shining in the human soul. Edwards saw the material universe existing in God's mind. Edwards saw faith in the willingness of saints to be damned for the glory of God. Edwards saw religious affections, inclinations, dispositions, all gifts of God and faith, the love of God that kindles joy, trust, hope, peace, a sense of the heart. Edwards saw the centrality of the experience of faith. A person may know that honey is sweet, but no one can know what sweet means until they taste the honey. Edwards saw that God delights properly in the devotions, graces, and good works of God's saints. Jonathan, Jonathan Elijah Edwards, our New England precursor, walked along the Connecticut River on the way from the River Jordan. In the year 1865, in our nation's capital, the spirit of Elijah touched the tongue of Abraham Lincoln. Months and days before Lincoln died, Lincoln cried out with malice toward none, with charity for all, firmness in the right as God gives us to see the right. Let us finish the work that we are in. Real cost, real costs occasion our very freedom to gather in community for worship this Lord's Day. The same spirit, that of 1850 B.C., that presence, that quickened consciousness, that affection, that devotion, that inclination, were present with Lincoln and are with us today. You have the brute fact of the brute creation, but you have, too, the spirit on the way from the River Jordan. In the year 1951, the spirit of Elijah rested in the mind of Ray Bradbury. He wrote a book, Fahrenheit 451. This is the temperature at which paper burns. An eschatological prophecy about the end of books, the end of reading, the end of memory. The novel ends along a river. Montag finds himself with hobos around a campfire along the river bank. He is surprised to find that fire, the mode of book destruction he has resisted, can give as well as take, warm as well as burn. He waits in the shadows. The men around the fire summon him out of the dark and take him in. He learns that each one of them has committed some book to memory. One is a walking Plato's Republic. 
One is a living work of Thomas Hardy. One has memorized several of the plays of Shakespeare. Byron, Machiavelli, Tom Paine, and the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all these are carried in the minds of the hobos. They are walking libraries, the remaining memory of the art of the race. What have you to offer, they ask Montague. Only parts of Ecclesiastes and of the Revelation to St. John, he replies. And here, March 8, 2015, day in an age that has eschewed reading for scanning, book for blog, Google for memory, earning for knowing, Elijah Bradbury's word resonates on the way out from the River Jordan. In the year 1959, down in the southern third of Alabama, the spirit of Elijah rested on the mind of Harper Lee. She wrote a book, a great book, a book great because it changed people's minds and hearts, like Augustine's Confessions, like Uncle Tom's Cabin, like the Diary of Anne Frank, like Elie Wiesel's Night, like what Tom Hanks tried to do in the film Philadelphia. The prophet's magic mantle, which divides the River Jordan, pierces the heart. Our friend Lee's pastor, Thomas Lane Butts, spoke of her to us some years ago, all on the way down from the River Jordan. In the year 1965, in early March, the spirit of Elijah walked across the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama. John Lewis was there, as he said, not angry, but full of righteous indignation. Through the history offices and gifts of Boston University, we sat next to him over dinner three winters ago. All his growing up days, he said, I wanted to be a preacher. I'd come home and I'd preach to anybody. I preached to the chickens I wanted to preach. If nothing else, perhaps 50 years hence, we could remember that real change is real hard but comes in real time when real people really work at it. On the ground, in personal visitation, then in small groups with gifted leadership, down on the way from the River Jordan. In the winter of the year 2015, Elijah, the spirit of Elijah, brooded over the face of New England's snow fields, the sore muscles of a shoveling people, the tired torsos of a commuting community, the undaunted willingness still to help a neighbor, the gritty determination to get through the blizzards, the awareness of needs for investment and the communal forms of transport, the gladness of children and the extra time of adults, the same spirit visited, but also in the same winter. The sore memory, memory muscles wrestling with the horror and mayhem, needless and cruel, of the marathon bombing of 2013. The blizzard of feeling and thought inevitably brought by a current courtroom trial, brought to the surface again. The rush of anger alongside the search for the better angels of one's nature. You may not daily recognize Elijah, but he is present, morning in reading, mealtime in prayer, evening in quiet, 
Sunday in worship, people have such odd reasons for avoiding worship. On the way forward from the River Jordan, Elijah, elusive spirit, mysterious ghost, the divine present absence personified. On March 8th of 2015, the spirit of the prophet Elijah hovered in the nave of Marsh Chapel, Boston University. The chapel has given to you and others over many decades beauty, grace, preachment, music, recollection, Some here have found God, and some here have been found by God. Marsh, a gift. And so you have responded by listening on the radio, good. By joining us one Sunday, good. By giving to and through this ministry, good. By inviting someone to listen, too, good. By inviting someone to come with you, good. By dreaming of an even more permanent, place, an even stronger witness, an even more vibrant voice at through Marsh Chapel. Good. One of you may choose to endow the deanship of this chapel. Good. Elijah awaits us on the way from the River Jordan. In the year 2000, I apologize, I've mislaid the exact date. In the year 2000, some year. The prophet Elijah will be on my doorstep and knocking on your doorstep, perhaps at midnight, maybe at noonday, possibly at dawn, or in the wee hours of the morning. The eschatological prophet, the prophet of the last things, the one invited by Peter to a booth with Jesus, Elijah, the prophet of God, will make a pastoral visit in the last hour of my life and in the last hour of yours. And there will be the River Jordan. There will be a mantle slapped on the water and there will be a parting of the waves. There will be a step forward. There will be a chariot, a sweet chariot, a swinging sweet chariot, a fiery swinging sweet chariot. There will be a presence. Could it be that the weeks of Cascade, the days of Nevada, the snow and snow and snow of our 2015 New England winter of discontent are really carrying for us an evocation, a query, a reminder, a call, a premonition, a measuring, a warning, a promise? Much of what we spend our time on and our money too, doesn't matter at all. It is the spirit that giveth life on the way from the River Jordan. In the year to come, sometime going back a half step, an Elijah spirit will usher us, it could be toward only the second book of Harper Lee, a surprise and an adventure in this newly discovered book There, Scout is grown up, and Atticus Finch is old, and the setting is not the Depression, but the early civil rights movement. But we know whence Scout emerged, and maybe we will reread Mockingbird. One of my predecessors in Rochester was a Southerner, Andrew Turnipseed, a friend of Dr. King's. At Turnipseed's funeral, my dear friend Thomas Lane Butts said, 
Near the end of Nell Harper Lee's wonderful novel, To Kill a Mockingbird, there is a touching and unforgettable scene. Jean Louise, scout, young daughter of the courageous Atticus Finch, has persuaded her father to let her come to the courtroom to hear the verdict in the controversial case in which he is defending a black man. She chose to sit in the balcony with the black church. The inevitable guilty verdict is rendered. It is over. Atticus Finch gathers his papers, places them in his briefcase, and begins a sad and lonely walk down the center aisle to the back door. Scout hears someone call her name, Miss Jean Louise. She looks behind her and sees that all of the black people are standing up as her father walks down the aisle. Then she heard the voice of the minister, Reverend Sykes, Miss Jean Louise, stand up, stand up. Your father's passing. Can you hear that? It begs to be heard. Down toward the River Jordan. Here is one way to live, offered to you without price. Elijah's way, the spirit way, the way of confidence born of obedience, the way of the journey of faith, the way of the obedience of faith. In this way, we live with the trust to see things through, to cross over, to cross the bridge, to cross the river, to trust our past, to trust our experience, to trust the spirit, to trust our Elishas, our friends, our successors to trust that in some way spiritually similar to Elijah at Jordan, a sweet chariot awaits. A chariot of promise, a chariot of freedom, a chariot of hope, a chariot of deliverance, a chariot of salvation, a chariot of heaven, a chariot to carry us home. Swing low, sweet chariot.
Please be seated. As we enter a time of reflection, I invite you to assume a position of prayer, be it seated, standing, or leaning against the altar rail at the front of the nave. The choir will now lead us in the call to worship, singing, Lead Me, Lord. Gracious God, we remember the beauty and wonder of your creation and give thanks for the abundance that you, have, that you have provided us. Guide us so that we may preserve and sustain it, that we may renew it for those who will follow us. We remember all those who seek to know you, those who follow your word and fulfill it with their works. We remember especially those who marched from Selma 50 years ago and those who continue their march today to uphold equality. Grant that they may find and uphold your justice on this earth. Loving Spirit, we remember the suffering of the nations, those who endure war, hunger, or sickness. We pray for the peoples and leaders of those nations, and we ask that they find reconciliation and peace. We pray especially for Iraq and Nigeria, as they recover from wounds made deep by violence. For these and all other nations, renew their hope amidst the pain, that they may find healing and strength. Eternal flame, we rem remember those who encounter loss, grief, and anguish, those who experience sickness, fear, or persecution. Bring the light of your compassion to their lives, that they may feel the warmth and comfort of your love. We remember those who have departed, departed from campus for spring break. Lead them to a place of safety that they may find rest for the weeks to come. We remember also those who have departed from this life. Guide their spirits to a place of solace that they may find rest for the life to come. All of these things we ask in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. Now, let us pray using the words that Christ taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever.
Good morning. Welcome again to Marsh Chapel. We are delighted that you are with us this morning, whether in person or virtually. We would love to hear from you and get to know you better and to keep you up to date about goings on at the chapel. A great way to be in touch is to provide your info in the red books that are found in the center of each pew or to email us at chapel at bu.edu. Two announcements. It's really hard to believe with the snow outside, but this week is Boston University's spring break. This week's regularly scheduled activities are on hold, including both Art Vespers this evening and, as Miss Jamie is away, children's ministry. Also, on March 28th, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., there is a meditation retreat. It is beginner-friendly, so you don't need to have experience in meditation to participate, and lunch will be provided. Please be in touch with Reverend Brittany Longstorff if you'd like to participate. As we prepare to receive this morning's offering, let us remember that it is a gift to be a giver, as the ushers wait upon us so that we might participate in the ancient disciplines of collection, sharing, and offering. Let us find ourselves being as generous as we are able.
holy God, creator and redeemer, you have commanded us to put no other gods before you. Often our lives have de demonstrated that we have done the opposite. We worship gods of power, wealth, beauty, popularity, and self-gratification, to name only a few. As we give our gifts to you, we proclaim you as the one and only God of love, deserving of our dedication and praise. In your holy name we pray, amen. sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. <laughs> 